0: We just heard Jesus in the gospel call his disciples salt and light. And uh, Jesus connects this being light to our deeds. He says, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds. So our light shines unto others through our good deeds Uh, This is why the church pairs our first reading with this gospel today, this reading from Isaiah. Isaiah uh, spells out some of those deeds that show forth the light, that make our lives shine. This is what God, through Isaiah, says to his people in our first reading. He says, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, Clothe the naked when you see them. Do not turn, turn your back on your own. In other words, your family. Do not turn your back on your own family or neighbors. Uh, these remind us of what we call in the church, the corporal works of mercy. Feeding the hungry, giving, giving drink to the thirsty, sheltering the homeless, visiting the sick and imprisoned, clothing the naked, giving alms to the poor, burying the dead. And God makes some pretty significant promises to the one who serves his neighbor in this way. He says, your light will break forth like the dawn if you do this. Your wound will quickly be healed if you do this. Your vindication shall go before you and the glory of the Lord shall be your your rear guard. The prophet says, if you do this, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help and he will say, here I am. So even God's presence in our life is somehow bound up with this service that we offer to our neighbor, especially our neighbor who's in need, our neighbor who's poor. Another promise that the prophet gives at the end of this reading, if you give your bread to the hungry and minister to the afflicted, then light shall shine for you in the darkness and the gloom shall become for you like midday. So there's that theme of light again. This is why the church pairs these two readings. Even um, Jesus is saying these words in the Sermon on the Mount is, a, is like a, brings Isaiah's words uh, to, to, to fulfillment. It's interesting because... A lot of the times we think of this kind of service to the poor as, as a benefit for them, but the message of these readings is, doesn't talk about anything about the benefit that's given to the person who receives. The benefit our gospels show us our reading and our gospel show us is the benefit is for the one who gives. Light will, if, if, if you do this, then light will break forth for you. Your gloom shall become like midday. The gloom in your life disperse. I I certainly think we can understand this on a psychological level. Uh, When we become depressed, stuck, closed in on ourselves, self-focused, self-pitying, God gives us a remedy when we're in that state. Give to someone in need. When we're so fo- self-focused, God says the remedy is to focus on somebody else, especially somebody who's, uh, who, who has real need. It's like medicine for us when we do this. Uh, we get out of our own head. It makes us n- not focus, not be so focused on how our own needs are not being met as we turn our attention to the needs of another just kind of makes us forgetful about that. Maybe we count our blessings a little bit when we serve this one, this needy person in front of me. I, I realize, gosh, like, my life isn't so bad. <laughs> God's really blessed me, actually. It, that, that, that kind of God's blessings in our life can be clarified as we uh, minister to someone who is in need. So there's certainly a psychological benefit for this. Uh, uh, to doing this. There's also a spiritual benefit, though, too. Uh, one of my favorite poets is Gerard Manley Hopkins. He's a, he was a Jesuit priest. And there's um, a lot of correspondence that exists between Hopkins and another poet friend of his, Robert Bridges. And um, Robert Bridges really struggled with his faith for, faith for a long time. He, he kind of... Went, vacillated back and forth between agnosticism and faith, and uh, he just really he went over all the arguments for the existence of God and just found it really hard to believe, at least in his earlier life. So there's a letter where he writes to Gerard Manley Hopkins, uh, talking about the struggle, and he just asks. He he says to Hopkins, who's who's a priest, says, "What do I need to do to believe?" And Hopkins writes back <laughs> with two words, give alms, he says. What do I need to do to believe? Give alms. It's interesting, really interesting, strange response, first of all. Why, why would he say to give alms to someone who's struggling to believe in God? In other words, to give something to the poor, give, give something to a poor person. So it might be because God Himself is generous to the poor. God has a place in His heart for the poor. That's what the Scriptures say over and over again. Uh, God is love. So, so then when we when we give to the poor, when we do a loving action like that, it it brings us into the mystery of who God is. Automatically, even if we're not a believer, because, because if we do an act of love, then we're doing something of God, whether we know it or not. So there's, there's a connection with God that's established when we serve our neighbor in need. It's like we, we enter more deeply into the mystery of, of, of God, who is love, even if we don't really realize it. That could be one reason. Another reason, though, uh, is that Jesus identifies himself with, with the poor. Mother Teresa understood this very well. Mother Teresa, who, who formed or founded the religious community of the Missionaries of Charity, uh, she would tell her sisters that when they, when they serve the poor person, they're encountering Christ in his distressing disguise. So and and gosh, they would encounter really poor, poor people. I mean, they they work, they they try to work in slums. Mother Teresa said she's not going to she's not going to have a convent in a wealthy neighborhood or even a middle-class neighborhood somewhere when she when when she, when they start a new foundation somewhere, they want to be the poorest area they can. They want to live among the poor. So they were ministering to people who were who were in the streets in the gutters, who had physical deformities, uh, just really really poor people. And and sometimes that would be difficult to stomach if the person in front of you had like a, a deformity or. hadn't hadn't bathed in a very long time. I mean, you know, the smell, the sight would really bother the sisters sometimes, especially when they first joined the community. Mother Teresa would say, that's Jesus in his distressing disguise. It distresses you, yes, but it's Jesus in his distressing disguise. And of course, this this isn't just a nice thought. This is what Jesus himself told his disciples. Uh, this, is, this is what we hear in Matthew 25 when Jesus tells that story of, of the king who brings his servants in for judgment. And he's, he's separating the, the sheep and they're going to his right and the goats are going to his left. And what's, what's the difference between a sheep and a goat? Or one who gets to go into blessedness and one who who is damned Uh, Jesus, Jesus, to his servants, he said, to the ones who are going to be blessed, he said, you sheep go to my right because when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. And they said, when did we see you like that? You're the king. You're not hungry or thirsty. You've never been in prison. And what does the king say back to him? When you did it for the least person, you you were doing it for me. And then he brings up the person, the people who are are damned and who are the goats who will go to his left. And he says, when I was hungry, you didn't give me anything to eat. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything to drink. When I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was sick, you didn't minister to me. And they said, when in the world did we see you like that? Of course, if we had seen you like that, we would have helped you. And the king said, when you didn't do it for the least person, you didn't do it for me. So that's so sobering message. Jesus is saying that our very salvation depends on our responding to the need of the poor person in front of us. But <laughs> the blessing for us is that when we, when we encounter that poor person in front of us, we're encountering Jesus. Maybe in his distressing disguise, but it's Jesus there to whom we're ministering. And so this is why, why Hopkins could say to Bridges when he was struggling to believe in God, how can I believe in God? And Hopkins said, give alms. Meet him in a poor person. Find him there. He's there. That's him. So there's another mystery that's going on here in these, in these readings that we have to point out. We're talking about the benefits of the corporal works of mercy serving the poor in front of us. It's the benefit for that person, obviously, if, if uh, they didn't have something to eat and we gave it to them. Or they didn't have anybody to, li- to listen to them, but we were a listening ear to them. Obviously, a benefit for them, but a benefit for us, too, on a psychological level, on a spiritual level, as we meet God in that person. But also, Jesus says at the end of this gospel, your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. So, I'm not the only person who benefits when I, do, when I perform an act of charity. And, and the person I'm, who's receiving the act of charity isn't the only person who benefits. But actually, this way of living is like a light that shines unto others. And others see the good works being done and are moved to think about God. Moved to praise God. This is something that Pope Francis has said and emphasized so much. He's, he talks about service to the poor as evangelization. A lot of times we think about evangelization or spreading the faith as something like this. You, you say to your co-worker, gosh, you know, do you pray? I see you're struggling. Do you have a relationship with God? Do you, do you go to Mass? Have you been to Confession? Really good things to say to somebody. Our co-worker, our relative, our friend. Really good. <laughs> but that's, that's usually what we think of, I think, when we think of evangelization. When, I, when I'm teaching someone about the faith or encouraging them to come back to the faith in some way. Well, Francis says, do something for the poor. Because what happens then? People see that, notice that, shines a light unto others and moves people to glorify God, to think about God, to come back to God. If, if, we had, if we had a parish that was known for its outreach to the poor in our community, I bet we would have a lot more interest in our parish. I bet a lot of our fallen away people come back because our, our feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, visiting the sick and imprisoned, that shines a light. It's goodness in action. People see the goodness and want it themselves. Gosh, those Catholics, they're so good. Maybe I should. Maybe I should look into that. That's that's what would happen. So each one God puts in each for each one of us God puts somebody in our life who is in need, a needy person, and that person stands before us. Sometimes we just can't get them out of our head. We know that they just lost their husband and might be lonely and we keep thinking about them. So let's ask the Lord today, first of all, for the vision that we need to see the poor in our midst, because that's Jesus. He tells us that. And let's ask the Lord today to give us the courage and the conviction that we need to do something about it, to do something. (laughs) Your light must shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father.